Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And what else would we be doing on a sunny bank holiday Monday than sitting in a room with no windows, yeah, overheating, talking about rugby. Uh, I'm Tim, that's JB right there. Hello, Timothy. That is Phil. Hello, Tim. You know where you can find us, at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. And you need to be watching that feed this week because, uh, well, we'll get into that in a little bit, but some some uh, some, some interesting things are going to be going on, Facebook, Instagram, all the rest of it. Um, and um, we're here on a Bank Holiday Monday because, well, I don't think either of you two would have been able to face a podcast yesterday. After your uh, exertions on Saturday, Ooh, we we worked very very hard uh, as ambassadors for the podcast, as ambassadors for the podcast, uh, as guests of HSBC at the London Sevens. Mm. And we were working so hard on Saturday. We were so hard. flat out exhausted all day Sunday. Yeah, I mean, we really put in the hours. To be fair, well, we were up at six a.m. We were, we were, uh, we. Spoke about nothing but rugby all the way down, so we've thought, formed all of our thoughts before all the games happened. Yes. So we don't need to update them, because no doubt we were right. Uh, and that was it, really. <laughs> uh, yeah, massive thanks to the guy who made it happen. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Kersel. Kersel? Kiesel. 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 Sorry, Ryan. Long-time listener Long- of the pod. Uh, and and all-round good bloke. With yeah. some great stories, which I can't repeat on the podcast. I'd love yeah. to, though. I'd love to. I would have loved to have ex- um, accepted the invitation as well, but I found myself at uh, Allianz Park. It's all um, right. We've got three more years of it, so... Yeah. You know. <laughs> yes. How, exactly. uh, how was Allianz Park? Oh, it's very good, but more to the point, I want to... Well, what the hell are you doing on a Sunday morning, bearing in mind it's Bank Holiday Weekend, getting a train at 7am? Well, I didn't get the train. The first train was at 9am. So I was up, I left, me and JB stayed at his sister-in-law's uh, flat. In Notting Hill, but I checked the Sunday service, and there was engineering works on the line, and United were playing at home. Uh, so I dis- and I United know- were playing at home. Yeah, by Munich's charity uh, game. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, there's only like twenty thousand people went to that, and they're not all coming from London. There was a lot of uh, Cockneys with United shirts. So on. here's something, right? On the on the train <laughs> just, that I was on. Just just an aside. So I actually watched the highlights. I don't know why I watched highlights of this game, but I did watch highlights of that game. I understand why United would put out a team for it. I do not understand for the life of me why Bayern Munich would send 11 guys over to celebrate one of the most famous losses. Yeah, one of the, and one of the worst ways to lose a game when you're leading 1-0 with seconds left on the clock. Yeah, I mean, like, when, Talk H are not going to send a, you know, a, a, te- a, 
a decade anniversary team to Oldham to celebrate when we lost Greg, you know, you by imagine, one point. Could you imagine <laughs> Northampton celebrating their 2012 loss to Leicester? Uh, Le- Leinster, Leinster, sorry. When they were oh, like 20 points up at half it. time. Wait for it. We've got... Um, 2023, only four years to wait for the memorial, England v Wales at Twickenham. Oh, oh yeah. wait. Rob yes. Shaw leading, <laughs> leading <laughs> why, why would Rob Shaw want to... Oh, sorry, uh, 15. Sorry, no, there's, there's, 15. There's, two, there's, there's two, there's a 13, yeah, yeah, there's, that one, the there's 13. a 13, 30 points to three yeah, hammering. At, in Cardiff. And then there's the 2015 World Cup. It's bizarre, isn't it? Uh, hi, Chris, do you fancy just coming to lead... Uh, lead the team out for your worst ever performance. <laughs> say it again. Say it again, Chris. <laughs> we, we always back, back ourselves, ourselves at home. <laughs> anyway, so Coles. anyway, I wanted so, I wanted to get up and beat the rush. Can name drop who you were hanging out with in the HSBC. Uh, no, no one you, you would have heard of. To be fair, no, no. Um, There's a, f- a few guys. Well, they no longer play, so you know you wouldn't you wouldn't have heard of him. Uh, Brown O'Driscoll, come across him. Uh, <laughs> did he play rugby? He used to play, yeah. Oh, okay. um, there's a, a sevens player there, uh, Brian Habana. Oh, he, right. he added, uh, from what I understand listening to him, he had a little stint on the sevens circuit a while back. Played a bit of sevens, yeah. Yeah, um, Maggie, uh, Maggie Alfonsi. Uh, and there was uh, James Haskell, um, a famous DJ. Yeah, yeah. likes his DJ and does a bit of uh, Jim, personal he's training. He's a PT, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's a PT. On, on, does he, on does he, he trains rugby players? I think, I think so. I think, yeah. I think he knows a few. So <laughs> yeah. uh, all in all, it was, it was pretty good actually. That sounds so, awesome. It was good fun hanging out with. We, we got a bit of time when we when a lot of other people were out um, watching the sevens action. We, we were, were working. We were tucked away working watching the second semi final, and Bod came over. Uh, and just spent probably, I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour, just chatting uh, various things. The one I feel sorry for, by far, is Maggie, uh, uh, Maggie, Maggie Alfonsi, because she had to listen to my theories about why uh, England lost the World Cup final to, to New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> on, on repeat. We had, we had a great chat with Maggie as well, actually. She she was really interesting. She's excellent. She's excellent. She, yeah, very impressive. But, but Brian, so there was an element of when he came over, because we'd had a little chat with him before, I'd like to think he thought we were relatively normal compared to some of the people there. And as an example of what one of the guys asked him, a Russian dude who who was quite nice but a bit drunk and a bit uh, bonkers, came over and at one point asked Brian O'Driscoll, has he ever been to Dublin? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. what I mean, you mean outside of my entire life? Yeah. Apart from that. Uh, yeah, the, set, the, the actual rugby uh, to the sevens as well was brilliant. Well, well, uh, yes, it is uh, uh, worth saying. Not for England, who yeah. are struggling to get uh, to the Tokyo Olympics now. Yeah, yes. it's a really tricky one, that right? Because you know, I don't, I don't really support any team, and I certainly could not care less what England do. Um, but I think if you go sevens, I don't think you should go with supporting a team in mind because mm. you've got to wait so long you've just got to appreciate that every, you know, every game is pretty awesome and they are generally speaking they are Oh, there's some awesome games I mean there was a couple of complete one-siders um, the first game we watched South Africa hammered Japan 49-0 mm. and no one's getting anything from that game but there were some other games that were like the Scotland and Ireland performances yeah. against some bloody good teams like the Ireland performance against Fiji was just phenomenal um, so USA are very impressive too. Yeah, now, USA. Just looking, oh. just you know, eyeballs only, uh, without looking at any stats or anything. USA seem a lot more powerful than most, like most other teams. They, they look physically bigger, but I don't know if that can be backed up. But they've got some big boys, but then they've always got at least one of the absolute Carlin speed Carlin or Perry Baker. Perry Baker. Yeah. Absolute yeah. speed merchants. And then what's his name? Barrett. 
Yeah, Barrett. Danny Barrett bounced off. I can't remember who he's that was against. He's a big boy. I think he's against Australia. Yeah, he's got 15s potential, I would I, say. I mean, he's played quite a bit of 15s. He was at Cardiff for a bit, wasn't he? That's not really reaching your potential going to Cardiff. <laughs> might, that, that's no well, one's idea of reaching your potential playing at Cardiff. <laughs> well, I, th- I think this is the route to the American audience, though, as much as I'd love it to be through the Gallagher Premiership. and I don't know if it is. Uh, I mean, I've got... I, I'm sort of... I, can't, I think Sevens is so specialised now. I, we had this conversation on the train. Is it taking away from the 15s? Well, yeah, I think, I they're, think, in, I think, they're, in, I think they, they're in competition with each other. I've said it before, right? I think they should have gone to 10s, not 7s, because then you could have players move in between codes. Yeah, I easier. think you're right it's on that. Yeah. Now, there are people who've done in both directions. Like uh, McConaughey at Bath, his first season mm. playing 15s, and has looked brilliant. Marcus Smith being another one, mm-hmm. who played highest level. Uh, James Davis. Won a silver medal. Yeah. Davis has gone forward and backwards, yes, hasn't he? Has. he? But yeah, there's oh. some who do both. Did you say England won't make the Tokyo Olympics? Well, it's possible. It's, on, but isn't it Great Britain that well, makes it's the GB, Tokyo? But they sort of amalgamate and ag- aggregate points, and I think I think is how they work it. But basically, England not doing very well this season is having a is dropping them down, dropping the aggregate rankings of those four nations oh, that will want to beat BSGB, dropping them down to the point where they might not qualify for the Olympics, which would be a well, there is another code of rugby which is making a um, well, it's going to be introduced, and we, might, we can talk about that later. Actually, All right. but I've got okay. some things to talk about on rugby X. One, one last thing on the sevens. Oh, on. Um, Ross Tucker um, on Twitter, who we'll come on to in a little bit because of some world rugby uh, or a world rugby announcement. Do we have to, but he yeah, fine. he he made quite an interesting point when uh, on Twitter when we were discussing sevens, and his view was that the action is so transient that... So, by that he means, and I, I think he's right in this, there is some phenomenal bits of skill. I, I, absolute, unbelievable yeah, Australia, bits, of, for instance. bits of skill in the sevens. But because a single bit of skill rarely has a significant influence on an individual game in the way that a, a magnificent bit of skill like the um, Rory Hutchinson... Uh, yeah, offload, which yeah. didn't ultimately have an effect on the game, but changed yeah. the dynamic at that time, because it doesn't have uh, a long-term impact on the game. Because there are so many highlights, the action has moved on really quickly, and not having, as Jay mentioned before, not having um, so one team will play, then they'll play like three hours later. So you have like ten minutes of action that you're interested in, and then three hours later you have another ten minutes. So that transience means it's. It's easy to dip into, but it's very easy to like be enthused about it for a very long yeah, period of time. I completely agree with that. So if you look at yeah, if you look at the crowds actually, the crowds are basically there for for a party, which is absolutely great. I mean, I have no no issues with that. But what I am saying is you don't or very rarely do you find people who follow the seventh circuit. Yeah. And yeah. if you do if you do find a person that follows the seventh circuit actually, you know, spends their own money going to all the different different countries, you probably don't want them on your speed dial. So that's that's how I, how, how I put it. It's more of an event it's like, than it's like uh, cricket. You yeah, sort of, you go. It's very similar you to go cricket, and it's the context for uh, a bit of a knees up. Yeah, and you'll 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 zoom in and zoom out of the actual action on the pitch. Very similar to yeah. cricket. You can dip that. in so quickly when there's a bit of action, but then immediately you've forgotten about it and you're on to nicking your fifteenth beer or whatever you're doing. Yeah, I don't, after this, I'd quite like to go to a Grand Prix, an F1 Grand Prix, because that's like a whole weekend of drinking. <laughs> and you have to then stop and then watch a race and then you can go back to drinking. Then there's lots of events and then there's a race and you can watch that and then you can go back to drinking. It sounds like a great a great way to spend a weekend. 
Yeah. And the, the Monaco Grand Prix this weekend, a lot of the Salon boys were yeah. there. Uh, were they? That looked like a good uh, good way to spend a weekend. Doesn't it just? I'd love to do that. So we will come back and talk about that rugby X you mentioned. Um, yeah. We've got lots of rugby to talk about, so we'll get on with that. But just to say, we'll have a Premiership preview slash Negroni Party announcement podcast in your feed this week. Yes, so we will. subscribe. Ooh. But we've talked. We we still feel bad about not doing a live podcast in 2019. So we thought we ha- we can't let the year end without having done one. We couldn't do one. It'd be unethical. Ju- yeah, it would be. We we couldn't do we couldn't do one in the Six Nations because Phil selfishly uh, impregnated so selfish. uh, Claire um, and had young Thomas. I mean, we're we're always going to like Thomas, Phil, but um, <laughs> we we'll always hold it against him we'll as well, won't we? Hold that against him, but <laughs> I can't, I keep reminding him. <laughs> Good, but maybe not. Maybe that the slate can be wiped clean because we do have a live podcast in 2019. It's going to be a World Cup preview podcast at Twickenham the week before the World Cup starts, and we're also using it as a Negro, uh, an egg chasers Negroni party and a JB. F- 20, RFU Council. 20, 2021? Whatever the date is, we'll be using it for that date. Yeah, to launch that, that campaign officially. So it should be a lot of fun. So we want you to be there. The official announcement will be in your feed very, very soon. We can't wait to see you. So, do you want to go Pro 14 or Prem? Pro- well, I, I, don't, I haven't seen a single second of Pro 14, so there's no point in doing that. Um, let's do Prem, because you were there. I was at the first game, yeah. yeah. I, I watched the second game on intermittent signal on my phone whilst getting a train back to Manchester. Dreadful stuff. stuff. But um, um, Well, so there's a few things. Um, first of all, uh, I kind of think that Saracens now, uh, and, I mean, and this isn't, this isn't the game action, but do you think they've turned the corner in terms of supporters and filling that stadium? And uh, So I, I always thought like, the rugby's been in place, but the thing that they're missing now is actually the support base and people going to watch. Do you think they've largely solved that? Because it looked absolutely bouncing on TV. It was bouncing. I think it's worth pointing out as well that from my, from the, the guys from BT Sport that were in Newcastle for the Champions Cup final said that there were loads of Saracens fans. Yeah. And that they, that they had a huge part to play in a brilliant atmosphere. So there might be something in that. It feels like, because the, they've now got the stadium and they've been there for, it must nearly be, well, it feels like at least five years now. There was a lot of Gloucester fans, it's fair to say, and they yeah. were very noisy. And that, 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 you could tell that it was a team that hadn't been to that stage in eight years because they were filling their boots. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Last days in Rome. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the Gloucester fans were absolutely loving it. Um, there was a picture when Drea went over for the... Um, oh, yeah. The try, one of the, one of the two consolation tries towards the end of the game. There was a shot on TV of a Gloucester fan, a middle-aged Gloucester fan, like cheering, both arms cheering and shouting. Like it was almost like Gloucester had just won the game, but no, they just scored a consolation try against yeah. Saracen in a forty-point hammering. That was the disappointing part of this whole game. Is I was so hoping that both these semi-finals, in fact, would be close. Uh, they were yeah. so, they were it was seriously one-sided. Yeah, I mean I thought Gloucester could win. I really thought they could. Well, um, you you backed them. Yeah. Not only to win this game but to win the whole thing. Well, I thought if they could get through this one they could definitely get get through Exeter. I honestly thought that. Um uh, yeah, well, you know, you, that's why uh, a Glo- uh, Gloucester, that's why Saracens are three times champions and I do a podcast from my basement. So, and, you know, and there is you're one of three virgins in the basement. Yes. And and also, I mean, imagine if we'd have said in the uh, in the semi-final, Brad Barrett, your, your man, Brad Barrett's going off after 25 minutes. Game you, over. You said game over. It's done. Game Gloucester over. definitely done. winning. Yeah. I know Tompkins was ace. 
Did he get a hat trick or just yeah. he did? Crikey. He did get a, a fifty-five minute hat trick. I'm really unsure about. He's got how, wheels as well as yeah. being a big unit. I'm really unsure how you go about beating uh, Saracens. I mean, I just don't know. I don't know, and they are far more than I said about them in the lead up to this game. Mostly because I was trying to convince myself that Gloucester would win. <laughs> but like some of the rugby that they played was outstanding. Yeah, but can I can I just emphasise what you're saying when you, you're going? I don't know how to, you don't know how to beat Saracens. Mark McCall after the game was like, "We played okay. We were good for ten minutes before half time, and we were good just after half time. But other than that, there's there's lots we need to work on." Yeah, but isn't that what they always do? <laughs> it's like apparently Sir Alex Ferguson used to lose his mind when United would win three 0 because um, you know it's just not good enough. You're sloppy here, there, and that's when you turn the, when you play well, you turn the screw on standards. When you play poorly, you let them off with quite a lot and then build up you, again. Interesting you say that. I used to um, work for a boss, and that was exactly his philosophy. And um, So quite often in, in radio, what you do is you get your ratings every quarter, and when they're really good, you go, let's go down the pub, let's all get hammered. That happened for Virgin Radio last week. You had incredible... Obviously. Incredi- Did it happen for Chris Moyles Incredible ratings. I don't think they were having... Uh, <laughs> oh, well. The, his ratings in Manchester are still below where mine were three years ago when <laughs> I left that show. But, uh, just know, saying, just saying. Just saying. Uh, anyway... Um, <laughs> So yeah, so we went out. So there was a big Virgin Radio knees up last last week when the ratings came out. Um, but actually, that that the, a boss of mine in the past has said that when things are going really well, that's the time to actually have the meeting and dissect why has it gone so well, what learns can we make, and how could we even build on it further. And when you lose sometimes, or when, when it doesn't go well, that's actually the time to go. Do you know what? Don't worry about it. Go on the pub. Let's go down the pub. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. That's Steve, Steve Diamond's uh, style management, that mate. Mm. Yeah, when uh, when when it doesn't go to in fact actually they like going on the pub quite a lot anyway well, yeah. <laughs> to be fair but they sometimes do it when they lose as well is what I'm saying <laughs> so what, one of the disappointing things and maybe I'm reading into this wrong but one of the disappointing things for me on the Gloucester performance take, take the performance out of it but if you look at the some of the social media stuff after the game there was a lot of kind of like happy smiling faces a lot of the Gloucester boys going on the piss but so it's good that they enjoy being around each other. There was an element of me reading into it, and this could be completely wrong, but me reading into it, oh, we were just happy to be there. Mm, Which I, saw I, don't I, think, the same. I don't think will be quite right, but it, some of them came across like that. Okay, so having said what I've just said, I guess this might contradict it a bit, but there's a John Madden quote, and John Madden uh, spent a long time getting to the playoffs and not winning the Super Bowl. And people say, do you feel under pressure? Do you feel... Um, do you feel like you should resign? Do you, t- you know, you're taking the team as far as you can. Blah blah blah. And he always said, "No, I- I'm not under pressure. The people who are under pressure, are the guys who haven't uh, who haven't won a game or have got uh, less uh, than a less than fifty percent record." And in my mind, actually, they are. I think it's fine for them to say, "Right, happy to be there. Let's all go home." Wouldn't be fine for Saracens to do that, and it wouldn't be fine for Exeter to do that. But it is fine for Gloucester to do that. I think. Right now, yes. Next but year, it, no. it can't continue to be. Yeah. Fine. So yeah, I, I am with that. But they've got to. to You've got to see improvement every year. And so Gloucester finishing third is great. Gloucester will be aiming to finish third or higher next year. Mm. But also they'll be aiming to at least improve their performance in the semi-final. And you've got to see that continual improvement. Because yeah. this Gloucester team is a bloody good team. It is good. They've got some brilliant players right across the board. They're co- cohesive as a unit. It, they did not show they've it in this got... game. But they've got a good team. And they can do more than they did today. And as a club, yesterday. I think they are in as healthy position as, as anyone really. They've got a great fan base. They're well run. They've got a cracking director, director of rugby who, you know, I would have, before Ackerman joined. He, I was, he, so just being, he's head coach and 
Humphreys yes. is director of rugby. No, I would be putting so pressure on Humphreys to leave. Even Ackerman got nominated for director of rugby of the, yeah, of I know. the year. I know. So I, I would have been under. I would have been putting pressure on Humphreys to leave, but actually said no. He knows what he's doing. They appointed the right, uh, you know, the right person that had uh, at had at head coach. So you know, it's all worked out fine. A great head coach, good squad, well built, good a good commercial side. Everything is in place. That club. I would not be surprised if this is the first year of a long stretch of Gloucester getting to the, to, to the to the playoffs. I, I I would agree with that. I think they've built the right way to continually do it. They've just got to do it. Yeah. And they've got to improve every time they do it. Yeah. I think if you were you know, Ackerman and David Humphreys and, you know, they're good coaches, they've got a good coaching team around them, you would have said, right, we've got two weeks to prepare for Saracens because they put out our second team in the final premiership game. We've got two weeks to pre- prepare for Saracens. Where should we focus a load of our attention? Let's, let's uh, do it on defending the, the aerial bombardment that we're going to get. And even with the preparation that I'm sure they put in, and even knowing that it was a massive focus, they still couldn't stop Saracens. Yeah. They are just ridiculously good at it. It's hard to do, though, isn't it? Like, unless you've got an Israel Falau in the, in the backfield <laughs> somewhere who can go up and contest those balls. They've had, they had Woodward, they had Marshall. And those are fullbacks in their own right. And yet, and, you know, they had Sharples on the other wing who played fullback the week before. And even so, if that kick is exactly right and that chase is exactly right and they've got bodies all around it, they're usually reduced to just trying to tap it back unless you can elevate to such a height like an Israel Falau and catch it above your head because of his you know, NRL days and his yeah. Aussie rule days. I'm not entirely sure how you stop it. And you've also, you're trying to stop Saracens who they've got three of the best tactical kickers. Um, Owen Farrell, obviously. Mm-hmm. Good as a fullback, he's probably one of the best, if not the, the best in terms of that. A tactical kicking option and Ben Spencer under the tutelage of Wigglesworth was over, the the past, over the past few years well Ben Spencer has come on leaps and bounds in terms of that kicking game uh, and then a kick is only as good as your chase and the yeah. Saracens team are just so switched and on and, and, so are and they're big boys as well aren't they they're like six foot yeah. something I don't know. I definitely Maitland's big, big, big lad. I don't know what uh, Williams is. They just time it so well. And the phrase that Alex Anderson used that, that's going to become a, a regular bit of rugby parlance now is "kick to regather." Mm. <laughs> that's what they call it. Kick to uh, regather. Well, we do like, a lot of kick, kick, kick to, to regather. We do a lot of preparation on kick to regather. <laughs> to be fair, I, I, that's a better saying than resource the ruck. I've yeah. still, I've still yeah. not yeah, worked yeah, yeah. on resourcing yeah. the ruck is. So yeah, I mean they're just incredible, incredibly difficult to play against, and their game is far more. I don't know. So they play amazing rugby, and they do play amazing rugby, but they play it in a different way. To Glo- Gloucester's amazing rugby is partly from stretch and partly from some amazing players. I kind of think, think about it like this. It's kind of like back in the day, if you bought a cake from, like, a cake from a shop, it would be a boring cake. It'd, it'd be fairly high quality, but it'd be a boring cake. If you wanted a nice cake, you'd have to go to some sort of like, artisanal baker's. Now, Saracens have somehow merged the two things, and they've come up with a cake doing one like the ones you get in, uh, in Costco, which look artisanal, for all intents and purposes, are artisanal, but you know it's still being made via a factory process, and that's what we've got with Saracens now. They've got great rugby via some sort of factory process. They're a Costco cake. They're a Costco cake. They're a Costco <laughs> novelty cake. <laughs> bit more expensive than a Costco cake. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they are giant as well. They are They're giant. Yeah. in Costco and uh, yeah, Costco cakes are giant. Yeah. Massive Perfect. team. Uh, a Saracens team who've lost their two first choice props as well. I know. I know they're a kid. I, 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 one of the questions I put to Mark McCall before the game is, um, is is the chink in your armour um, front row when you when you look at the bench? They, they had maybe 15 premiership appearances this season between, between them. Between them, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and even the starting front row, you might make an argument that 
is a chink in their armour. It just seems like they've disregarded the scrum altogether. I mean, they win enough. That's fine. They get put under a lot of pressure. They by no means have the best in the Premiership, despite their giant size. I just think they work, they've worked out they don't really care uh, that much. As long as they win enough ball, what's the difference? They are bloody brutal. Yeah. And this was a very, very good, very Saracens-esque performance. Yeah. And, and differences from Exeter as well, which we'll come on to in a second, but difference that they started... Well, so they started badly, actually, because of the Morgan try after two minutes. But then they just got into their straps. And, and for the, the whole of the rest of that half, it was just the Saracens show, wasn't it? Yeah. And they, by half-time, they were... Out of sight. And the Tompkins try after straight, straight off two half-time, minutes after done, half time. It was game yeah. over. It, it's already it's game over. It's a real shame that it was, it was done so quickly. Um, one, one question. Um, on the morning of the game, Ben K put an article in the Times which was talking about Danny Cipriani and, and Alex Good. You've got the European Player of the Year, the Premiership Player of the, of the Year, and both of them not looking likely to be going to a World Cup. And Ben K was totting up the, the, the merits of either. All the talk in the build up was about Cipriani. Um, Farrell was classy. I mean, if Cipriani had done that little nudge through the for, grubber kick for the Maitland try, people would have been just. I've, so I've rewatched that again it because so it's good. in one move he goes for the dummy, yeah, which steps the defence up that extra yard. And as he's going for the dummy, it's not even a proper dummy because right. he just is so fluid. He just drops it drops onto it on his, his wrong foot. He's left, yeah, he drops it onto his foot and grubs it through, and it bounces up per- perfectly for Maitland, who's already read it, mm. and he's in behind. Yeah, it was beautiful. Mm. But anyway, so Ben K was t- totting up the merits of either, and he said Alex Good should be above the pecking order over Cipriani for a World Cup spot, because in a 31-man squad, he- his argument is, look how much Alex Good's played at fly half this season, including a European Cup quarter-final. Alex Good's a better fly half than Cipriani is a fullback, and if you want a third choice of either, Alex Good's your man discuss yeah i mean it is, <laughs> I, I i think it's a yeah, sensible option right. I, i'm i'm happy with that i would be very happy I, with, I, with good going for that for that reason good is a brilliant fullback good should be going as the starting full full, uh, fullback um there is arguments why danny cipriani shouldn't be the starting fly half uh yeah i i, I kind of agree with it obviously yeah. Yeah. yeah i'd be happy with that i think a lot of people were if, if you made that statement before the game, as Ben K did, a lot of people will be saying, no, you need Danny in there, you need Danny in there. Danny didn't have a great game in this. He's had a, a very good season. Yeah, excellent when season. the press, pressure came on in this particular game, he didn't have a great game. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, it's hard to run away from that, actually. Isn't it? As good as he is, um, I was talking to one analyst somewhere in the league, and you know they pointed out that he's not got a great record in semis and finals. Maybe maybe there is a point there. I mean, I don't think there is. I just think he came up against. Well, you know, he's been playing at Saracens. Put him, for behind, put him behind Saracens pack and see yeah. what happens. Swap yeah, Farrell and Sips, that would be an interesting so. uh, experiment. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, um, one, one we'll never be able to do. Just like we'll never be able to do an experiment of your no knock on rule. Sadly, sadly. Um, yeah, just last thing on that one though. I don't think you can take Danny Cipriani as a backup fly, uh, a backup fifteen. You'd have to be insane. You, you really would to think that you can take that much talent, and also it wouldn't fit in with the dynamics either. And this is the reason why he can't get into the England squad is because if you put him in the England squad, you have to reinvent your whole game to let him do exactly what he wants. And maybe there is more versatility in Farrell. <laughs> as I do not think he's as good a, good a playmaker as Cipriani, but maybe he can play more different ways, mm. and that could mm. be the. That could be the deciding factor. So, you know, you either take him instead of Ford, but you can't take him as a backup. I mean, imagine 
putting it the other way, imagine if he was a, he was a second second fly half. Would you ever take Ford as the backup fullback? You'd be insane. <laughs> yeah, you would. Mad. You wouldn't do. Well, I wonder if Ford's going to be end up being the third choice scrum half. Because oh, because uh, he, he only likes taking two scrum halves, doesn't yeah. he? So that, yeah, that, that's the be. sort of that's the sort of weird thing. I think we're going to end up seeing. I'd take three hookers and three scrum, three scrum halves based on something which Phil said before the podcast. Well, I, I would take three hookers 100%. I wouldn't actually necessarily take three scrum halves. Because I well, think you can rotate scrum halves in the lesser games you can more, take, more than hookers. You can always take a rugby league hooker. <laughs> I'd take James Roby. Yeah, James Roby, because he could play <laughs> he scrum could play half both. or hooker. <laughs> I'm not sure if you put James Roby in a competitive rugby union scrum international front row, I'm not sure he'd like it too well, much. Is he bigger than Harry Thacker? Uh, probably not. It, it probably is similar. Um, it's just he's never done it. He's never been be fine. A, a competitive be fine. scrum. Yeah, I take James Roby as my third hooker. Slash <laughs> like this it. is Sam Burgess all over again. <laughs> Are you not learning from the mistakes of the past? No, if anything, Sam Burgess did nothing wrong in 2015. <laughs> no, when he came off the field, they were winning. Yes, so you know, and, people, and no one was talking about Jamie Roberts when. <laughs> Sam Burgess was on the field. Exactly right. Anyway, exactly right. Um, right, let's move over to the other semi-final. Yeah. Exeter. Again, it was just disappointingly one-sided. But at least Exeter mm. made it more interesting. We were in at half-time, and it could have been mm. a different game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Northampton had that kind of, well, that, that brief stint before half-time, that 10-minute stint where you had the penalty try, the fish um, knock-on slap down, that was given as a penalty try, and RC Tuala's try after the magnificent oh, bit of wow. Hutchinson skill. How did he do that? And then you had the Reinert knock-on, 15 yards out from the line. Reinert, who has been sensational. Yeah, exactly. Who is, if you look back at throughout the Premiership this season, there's few players you'd want to have the ball more than Reinert, 15 yards out with no one in front of him this season. And he knocks on. So, a bit frustrating from Northampton's side for that for for not converting that chunk, but then the second half, and I, I I said this last week, Northampton have got enough firepower up front to handle Exeter for a period. They don't have enough firepower to handle Exeter for the whole game, and in the second half, it became evident that Exeter were going to run away with it pretty quickly. Yeah, this playoff appearance probably came a year too soon for Northampton. I mean, they were. I wonder, even though they definitely deserve their, their place there, they've um, played some great, great rugby. I do wonder if a, a Harlequins type team would have put up a better fight, and I suspect they probably would. Actually. Well, they were closer to twelfth position than to first position. <laughs> Who Northampton in, 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 the, in, in, in the regular season league table? I, be, I believe that's an accurate stat. <laughs> so, like, you know, it's well deserved to get there, so on and so forth. Uh, I, I just think it's a year too early. I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see what this team looks like after another year under Chris Boyd, and also with some of the players that he wants coming in and actually you know there are some players in here that he does want in fact a lot of them and that's why they're playing like Hutchinson wasn't involved really until he showed up uh, there's a bunch of other kids that have a bunch of other kids that have also come in they've, they've done extremely well but it's just maybe a year too early there is um there is a there is a lesson to take though is that, that no matter how good or glittering or um how much your attack fizzes power power and power gnarly power. nasty men yeah is, is can trump that at any given time, mm. as we saw this weekend. Yeah, yeah and big strong boys. And, and the cohesiveness and the yeah. the drill of the pack, because Gloucester are not short of big strong boys. 
No, no, they're really not. They, they, they are not, definitely right. not short, but they don't have that that drilling and that cohesiveness that the Saracens, the Saracens pack have forged over years of playing at the highest level. Yeah, I mean, level. Like, if you're playing at Saracens and you see one of your boys as first receiver at a forward, as a forward, you know exactly what he's going to do next or exactly the lines to run or, you know, you, you just have a good sense of how to play together. So, you know, Gloucester needs to improve, uh, improve on that. As for Northampton, I, I was kind of hoping there's going to be an element here of, oh, we've never been here before. It's a younger sort of team. Let's throw cautions to the wind, and maybe, maybe we come up with the goods because we're not scared to play. Well, again, Incorrect. if you take the, yeah. the half time, I think you'd be going great. Well, that's exactly where, where Northampton had done, and um, Naravoro was beating defenders as usual. By the way, he's he, he was the he's the first player ever in the Premiership to beat a hundred or more defenders in a <laughs> single season. Wow, that's quite that's quite impressive, isn't yeah. it? One uh, once bear in mind for fantasy rugby draft selections next, next season. Uh, was it him and Cordero who topped the defenders yeah. beaten? Although Cordero don't, is not eligible for consideration next season. No, sadly. Uh, when when Tomo Flattery scored, Cordero as well, who's not been in, so he's not announced in the um, Argentine squad. What? There's a 46 man squad announced. Is this that week. because he's injured? Well, he, there was final. talk of him potentially being back for this he's game. Got to be in the squad. Imos not in there as well. Oh, okay. But there are, so Issa is, Nicolas Sanchez is, uh, Figolo is, Herrera who's playing at Stade Francais. So there are um, European-based players. In oh, the, in those the South American playboys, if they can get it together again for a World, for World Cup. Cup. No, because they're, they're, they're in England. As if they are going to, you're going to put all these alpha males together on tour in Japan for three weeks. Well, do you think they're going to get it together? <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, they are going to get it together, but not on the rugby field. <laughs> <laughs> so one one thing, just I'm looking at Northampton's um, signings for next year. So they've promoted a few boys from the academy. Um, the the only notable forward that they're bringing in is Owen Franks. Mm. And now he will be very important. I mean, yeah, they've got the good Franks now. They've got the great Franks. Um, that you, I think they need a bit more than that. Um, in terms of steel up front, mm, yeah, maybe. they could do with they could do with someone like um, Dylan Hartley, Pickamoles. Yeah, Dylan Hartley would be a great signing. <laughs> if you could get a Dylan Hartley fit, great signing. This point, someone like right. they need a number eight. They need a big number eight. Harrison yeah. is a good abrasive like number Harrison. seven. He's, well, I'll tell not, you the guy who I mean, he's not big or abrasive, but I wish he'd played better or at all. Would be um, what's his name? The guy from Bristol. Uh, oh, Michidi. Michidi. I didn't. I think. Come on, he's, he's not. The, he's not gonna. You're not gonna go. He's not a pick and type. He's not gonna. Win he's the, well, who is a pick and type? Uh, pick and Billy Vanapola, or the South African whose name I forget. Dwayne Vermalen. Vermalen. There's three of them on, on planet Earth. Correct. Right? And they they had one of them <laughs> two years ago. They had one <laughs> of them. They had it. Carl Ferns. Carl Ferns. Carl Ferns would be, would be a tremendous. Be a, sign. I mean, a good show. You know, there'd be salary cap issues around that, but you know, <laughs> marquee player. Show. Whoever, yeah, whoever they, be, if, you, if you're going to bring in one of those boys at number eight, they are going to be a marquee player. Yeah, they'd have to be. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I think Northampton are missing. Although the young lads that are coming through, Painter um, Hutchinson has been brilliant. Ribbons is a guy Bing that Wall they've has not been played good. Much this Ribbons year. has been injured, and he's a yeah, very big man. They've got Moon coming through as well. He is a big so, boy, Ribbons. Yeah, he's a he's a big old unit. You know, Hartley, 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 Hartley. Yeah, fine. He's playing for England. This that, and the other, and he seems to be largely fit for England. Uh, do you not just cut your losses and get rid of him if you're Northampton? It's a salary cap situation. 
Just get rid. It's like the Tulangi question, yeah. but with a different name. Yeah. Just get rid. It's not worth it. And I tell you who has learned this the hard way uh, this week about marquee, expensive in, uh, international players is London Irish. Because, yeah. you know, shock of all shocks, I number know. seven that has dealt with horrific in, uh, injuries in the past. Over and over and over again. Has now got a horrific injury. Yeah. And you've spent 400k on him. He's probably your marquee signing. Get it, a be, grip. It, he'll be one of the marquee signings, definitely. Uh, and we said it, we said it, I, I, almost word for word, that like the concern over him sustaining another significant injury or multiple significant injuries next year means it's not really worth a, a risk. You exactly. Want to take. If you can get him fit for 15 to 20 games per season, it'll be a good signing. He's playing in the, the chance lo- of that is unlikely. He's playing only occasionally in the low intensity environment of the Pro 14, uh, and he's still getting injured. And admittedly, in the high intensity environment of a of Champions f- Cup final. Yes, fine. Uh, but he only plays a handful of those games a yeah, year. Yeah. He's going to be asked to play almost every game. If he's fit, he'll be asked to he, play every game at full intensity for London Irish. Well, that, that's what you want. Because there's no point having a marquee player who you're going to rest and play every other week, is there? Mm. Exactly. They would be better off going out and finding the next Dan Thomas. Or, yeah. you know, because as good as he is, um, Sean O'Brien is, he's not like 600% better. Than so, Dan Thomas, I think. I think Sean O'Brien in his prime was probably. I'd, I'd actually even say possibly the, the best number seven on the planet. Yeah, including including McCaw, including Pocock, including McCaw in his pomp. Warburton, including Warburton. I mean, he, he was do so more so good. But what's the point? For, it's a Premiership. It's not international. You, know, yeah. you can do that for five games international. How about doing a whole Premiership season? Well. Yeah. We can we can touch upon that a little bit more when we get into Leinster. But in terms of Exeter, a couple of names that I, I think have had absolutely fantastic seasons. Devoto. Yes. Okay. Devoto has been class. And the other one, the other name I had in mind for Exeter. I say Thomas Flattery for some reason. I mean, oh yeah, he's had a good, Flattery. great breakthrough season. But Oli Devoto was the one I was going to mention. Yeah, hundred percent him. Kvezic has been Kvezic. brilliant. Kvezic, Kvezic, yeah, yeah. Kvezic, Kvezic. And Devoto have been so good this year. Kvezic, I really. I, in the past, have been a bit negative about Kvezic. We, we all have. Yeah. He was a penalty machine. Yeah, and when when Gloucester fans were calling for him to play for England, I thought they were absolutely mental. I probably still do at the time, because I just never saw it in a Gloucester shirt. I have seen it repeatedly this season. And at eight. And, and at eight, although he, he wears number eight, he doesn't yeah. play like a traditional number eight. Well, and here's the thing. When he's got um, Armand and Ewers either side of him, yeah. he doesn't need to play like yeah. an eight. So, here's the thing about that, right, is... Like we said, there's only three or four class number eights on the planet, okay? Uh, if, if if indeed that. So if you can't get one of those guys, I honestly think the best thing to do is convert a seven to an eight. Because you get if you don't get big carries, you may as well get work rate in your carries and work rate in defence. That's probably the, your second best option. You, your worst option is to get a number eight who doesn't do any of those things and is not world class. Or, or a number eight who has the size but doesn't have the explosiveness or the work rate. The work like, rate is the killer. Like... Calamaphoni, for example. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Exeter. Exeter were very, very good. They, they were very good, particularly in that second half, particularly when their forwards were starting to get more and more change out of a tiring Northampton pack. Have you seen, um, have you seen the, 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 the Marvel movie, the last one? No. no. No, okay. Or any of them. Well, why would you? Because you don't have children of an age that would want to go and see it. So. That, that, that is true. That's mainly, yeah. So I took mine to go and see it. And uh, there's, there's, a, there's one bit where Thanos, the bad man, says, I am inevitable. And basically, 
I, I just want to, <laughs> you could just have like, BT Sports should just do a new graphic <laughs> coming up with Thanos, I am inevitable, when Exeter Chiefs are like five metres out from the yeah. line. I am inevitable. <laughs> Try. Or, or, or even <laughs> rename it the Thanos Zone. <laughs> the Thanos, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Extra Chiefs are in the Thanos zone again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are remarkable. Thanos ball, Thanos ball, and they just keep. That's what I love about it. Like, yeah, they are inevitable because you can't stop it. And even if you do stop a pick and drive, so what end? What you drive it back two yards? Well, they'll just go again. They'll just start again and again and again. And the combat. The, the parallel I wanted to draw was between Saracens kicking game and Exeter's five meter out game. Northampton knew that was coming. They'd have done all that yeah. practice. Yeah. You still can't the stop The only it. thing would... you can do to stop that is not let them into the five-metre zone to start with. Yeah. It sounds very simple, but simple isn't easy. <laughs> but they turn yeah. down loads. It'll be interesting to see what they do in a premiership final against Saracens. Will Exeter still go for the corner? 100% they will, because we've the seen it before. We've, seen it not, we've not seen it in a premiership final. We've seen it against Saracens. We though. have seen it against Saracens before, though. Well, it was interesting... Um, the way Exeter, I think it was Matt Kovezik after the game, man of the match, he, he he spoke about it and he said last year against Saracen, the lesson they learnt is that they they played a bit within themselves. They didn't play their normal game. So I'm tempted to go with you and on, on our on our Premiership preview, Premiership final preview pod, will um and Negroni party announcement pod, we will uh, yes. we'll go into that. But I'm tempted to think Exeter will kick for the corner a bit at Twickenham, but we'll see. Maybe oh well, hang yeah, on. I, Exeter definitely will. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think they will. I think they'll keep doing what's worked for them. Yeah, mm. I, what's more interesting to me this week, rather than the game on Saturday, is I'd love to be a fly on the wall to the intensity of how how much these these two train and what the atmosphere is like. Because you know, for them, it's pretty much their only serious game in the Premiership of the season. <laughs> so I, I bet one of three serious games. Yeah, what, what was the other one? Yeah, how? Yeah, they meet each other twice and then once in the final. Yeah, yeah. so they've got three ser- serious games a year where both of, can potentially get beaten. Uh, I bet the training this week is going to be phenomenal and phenomenal to watch. Mm. Well be. done, Saracens and Exeter. Well done. A bit. It's almost too predictable. Almost yeah, too predictable. And, yeah, Unless you're JB and you predict a Gloucester win. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Callum Sheedy's been called up to England. What? Callum Sheedy has been called up to England. Are we talking sevens, or is this... Uh, so for the England 15 what? Y- yeah. and, and Cipriani hasn't I know England 15 squad named come on 19 minutes ago here we go oh here we go come on then uh, no no Cipriani what so Callum Sheedy's here and Cipriani isn't uh, so this is this is an England laugh? this is an England XV so 
This is not the... Oh, come on, don't try and tell me in a World Cup year this bears no relation to what I have, what should happen in Japan. This should 100% be linked to the, the, the so, to what happens in Japan. Yeah, I'm just looking... So, interestingly, there's no Gloucester players in there. There are, however, Northampton players in there who... Because, obviously, no Saracens or Exeter players are available. So, let me just run through the lineup. So the forwards, yeah. this is an alphabetical order, not position order. So we've got Josh Beaumont, Ben Curry, Alex Dombrandt, which is good. Tom Dunn, a hooker. Tom Ellis, six slash lock. Ross Harrison. Yeah! Tamina Harrison, his brother. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Paul Hill, Benno Obano, Erin Painter, young yep. Northampton, yep. Uh, tight head prop. Very good. Will Spencer, Elliot Stook. And Tommy Taylor, your boy, Tim. Yeah, my boy. Tell that is, Harrison will shine. I'm absolutely shine. It's, so, it's so good. Some this, good, good picks there. Some but, good but, young boys. But there's no guys that are. There's no guys that are in the. Here's the corners EPS, in as well. EPS or right. the last England squad. These are all outside of the yeah. current England squad. So maybe that explains the Cipriani. But I don't get that. But anyway. So yeah, none of them. You, you are exactly right. None of them are from the EPS. Right. Backs. Josh Bassett of Wasps. Simon Hammersley of Newcastle slash Sale. Sharks, thank you. Lord Hammer of Hammershire. Ben Loder of London Irish, who's been playing in the championship, scoring some very good tries. Joe Marchant, Quinns. Alex Mitchell of Northampton Saints, the young scrum half. Piers O'Connor of Bristol. Anne Callum Sheedy of Bristol. JB's boy, Marcus Smith. Ben White of Leicester Tigers, the scrum half. And Johnny Williams of Newcastle. So... Johnny Williams, good shout. So it's it's a young, yeah. This it's is a real. Okay, fine. I feel a little bit more comfortable about players being left out because I was expecting it to be a. This is the battle for. This is the battle for the for the remaining spots in the squad and the, and the World Cup training squad. But this this looks like I mean, it's completely separate, which I don't get. And he's and hasn't he handed over the coaching to Jim Mallinder for this one as well. Yes. So it's, well, it's, at least he's not. Hand- a little bit like Eddie Jones has gone. Nah. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. want anything to do with this. Well, at least he's handed over the coach and Jim Mallander rather than um, his evil lookalike. Uh, what's his name? Uh, John Mitchell. John Mitchell, who I met in a lift. Did, 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 you did mentioned you met him, but you didn't really say anything about it. Yeah, I met I met him in, in a lift, and I tried to you know, just say you know hi and the coldest, darkest, most killing killing eyes. The, I mean, the eyes might have been beautiful, but the <laughs> stare was not. Um, I. I He's a, he's got some strange mannerisms, to put it mildly. I, I half expected him to hand me one of those Joe's business cards, which is, um, you know, nicely textured. <laughs> like <laughs> he he strikes like me as American a very, American psycho. Yeah, yeah a yeah. very peculiar character, to put it mildly. And just looking at that squad, the overwhelming thing is, they are God, they are young. Yeah, that this, is a, this, a really this bears no relation to the England squad and Japan. Except, so fine, except it does. No, it doesn't. It does, and I'll tell you why. It's not about the players that are playing for England because clearly they are just completely. Um, you know, it's just kind of a throwaway squad. The people that are interesting are the English players, if there are any, playing for the Barbos. Because last year it made Chris, Chris Ashton, Ashton mm. move to Sale Sharks. Yeah, well, so, so there there are a couple. Joe Marler, obviously the one that was announced last week. Yeah, Joe Marler's in there. The only other one. I think he's Mark Atkinson, uh, English. Yeah. Yes, you're right, Mark Atkinson. Isn't mm. um, who'll likely be lining up alongside uh, Malachi Fekitoa, All Black, in the centre for the Barbars. Oh, that's a bit of a, da- a damp squib, that England squad. I'm a bit, I'm a bit disappointed. I want to see they, this, uh, the Barbar squad is a bloody good yeah, squad the as well. Squad's really good, yeah. 
they got some dangerous players. I mean, some really dangerous players. Um, so you'll have a back row, potentially, of Messam or Luatua alongside Villami Mata of Edinburgh and Fiji and Facundo Issa of Toulon and Argentina. Wow. That is a powerful, explosive. explosive back row. Wow. With Nairavoro and Nikosi and Feketoa and Charles Pietau. Crikey. And Reese Webb. Wow, yeah. They, um, they, might, they might give England a bit of a hiding. It's might be an say. interesting game, that. Right. I've got a uh, rugby social game. Yes, please. Which uh, is inspired, well, thanks to, you don't thank me, thank Tyg Furlong for this one. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Tyg. So I, I have I have seen a couple of these. I've not okay, seen the full fine, thing. Good, but. good. So Tyg Furlong last year after Leinster won the Pro 14 did a meet the forwards on his Instagram channel and it was quite tongue in cheek, very funny. And on the on the plane back from Glasgow this time, he's done a meet the backs. So he's taken a photo of each of the backs that started in the in the final, and he's written a few things about them to help you get to know them. So that's from, nice. So from the facts that I will give you about them, or, or the description that Tyg Furlong gives you, you have to match up the player, the description to the player. So the starting back line was Luke McGrath, Johnny Sexton, James Lowe, Robbie Henshaw, Gary Ringrose, Christ. Jordan Lama, Rob Carney. I know nothing about these guys. Well, <laughs> just have to guess. Okay. So seven names. Um, First one, uh, Tyg Furlong describes this person as caveman, he'd peel an orange in his pocket. <laughs> I don't understand what that even means. I think it means he's tight. Is that... Tight or... Um, keeps, yeah, the tight or... As in he uh, can't get his hands in his pocket, pocket. he'd even peel an orange in his pocket. Mm. I don't know. I, I'm that doesn't yeah. really work I mean. for me. Let's go but, with it. But, but caveman and he'd peel an orange in his pocket. Which J- one? James Lowe. Uh, well, no, no, hold on. Oh, write, sorry, sorry, sorry. Write it down, write it down. Write okay, it down. give me uh, one. Okay. Write it down. Let me just get... There's no way any of us are getting any of these right. Uh, I've seen a couple of these bits. All right, so, okay. Okay. Two. Next one. Beekeeper. Doesn't capitalise as much as he should off the pitch. <laughs> A beekeeper? Beekeeper. I think, I think she said beekeeper it, like his dad. Doesn't capitalise as much as he should off the pitch. Right. Now, judging by the awfulness of the first description of peeling an orange in his pocket, is beekeeper a literal man who keeps insects, or is it some sort of funny funny thing? Don't know. This suggests he's been stung by bees a lot. He gets stung a lot? He gets stung by financial schemes. <laughs> <laughs> who's struggling with their finances who's, who's fallen foul no of some pyramid schemes <laughs> yeah. anyway, you can always yeah, timeshare owner you can always come up I'll, I'll remind you of what they are afterwards if okay. you want to change your mind so the third, third one, one. This, this one might be easier uh, he simply he didn't have any description he just wrote on the picture red or yellow yeah got it red or yellow got it I've got no idea okay the next one he said nickname Bird neck. Got <laughs> ah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Has enough neck for 10 heads. Very good. <laughs> Company accounts make interesting reading. That's, uh, that was that person. Interesting. Bird neck, enough neck for 10 heads. Company accounts make interesting reading. <laughs> okay, next one. Nickname, phone box or bungalow. Runs like, <laughs> runs like he's mad at the grass. Ooh, that could also be... Same guy. Oh, I don't know. I've got no idea now. Um, what's his name? Phone box bungalow. Runs like he's, he's mad bungalow. at the grass. 
Bungalow, I think bungalow, bungalow means n- nothing up top. Yeah. <laughs> ah, um, the, okay. Okay, and the next one. Nickname Ferret. Same haircut since age 10. His dad puts a Tabasco sauce on the skirting boards to stop his dogs eating them. <laughs> what? I know, I know. We're just getting, we're getting to know the Leinster backs, but there you go. This is so Irish. <laughs> uh, and that's seven, isn't it? Uh, six, I believe. Six. Oh, yes. Um, who am I missing? Oh, I know who I'm missing. Oh, I know who... I, okay. Uh, all right. Well, I'll, I'll make it easy because I, I I haven't written down the, the other one or I've deleted it or whatever. The other one's Robbie Henshaw. So okay. Robbie Henshaw is not... So we've got six so others. Robbie Henshaw is the one that I had missing. Well, Robbie Henshaw, uh, so I have him at six, at five. So, so t- take him out and there you go. So I, I'll remind you of what caveman, he'd peel an orange in his pocket... Makes no sense. <laughs> Red or yellow. Beekeeper doesn't capitalise as much as he should off the pitch. Okay, four, uh, number four. Birdneck <laughs> and ferret. Dad puts Tabasco sauce on the skirting boards to stop his dogs eating them. All right. So one is James Lowe because the caveman. Correct. Yeah. You got, got that I've well got James him? Lowe. Excellent. Yes. What have you got as a second one? Gary Ringrose. Uh, I think Luke McGraw would keep bees. It is Gary Ringrose. Two, one to fill. Okay, so number three is wrong because it's Ringrose. No, three is Carney. Red or yellow? R- red or yellow Why, is, is red Rob yellow? Carney. Because he's, in the game, he's challenge on uh, a yellow, Hog, which, which we'll come on to. His challenge that knocked out Stuart Hogg. Have you not? Oh, se- have you not seen any of it? No, have you? No, no. Oh, you've not seen it, oh. or bothered to Catch well, read an article on it, or prep. <laughs> okay, fine. So uh, the next one, Phil. I'll just go with you because uh, I think JB's all going to be wrong now. Ten next. Oh, is right. oh yeah, what's so bird neck. Sexton. Yes, yeah. Joey Sexton. Two, two. Did you see that? <laughs> I love you. You said you saw Bod at the HSBC, uh, the, uh, the London Sevens. I love the picture that Bod consistently puts on social media of Johnny Sexton. Um, is it the one because because Zebo uses the one where he's like <laughs> yeah. eighteen years old and really fat, like yeah. puffy cheeks. Yeah, but yeah, bird neck. Um, Company accounts make interesting reading is Johnny Sexton. Yeah. Next one. Phone box. Phone box bungalow. Is Llama. I've got Llama. Yes, well done, JB. Because you told me it wasn't Henshaw. <laughs> and phone box, you can... Surely you could have got phone box as Llama. Like, you can step someone in a phone box. Oh, right. I thought it was more like, you know, like their physical size, like their, their shape. Oh, okay. Yeah, Henshaw is more appropriate. I'm trying to tackle a phone box. Henshaw looks more like a phone box. Yeah, yeah and, or a bungalow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, ferret. Corny. Is McGrath. Luke McGrath. Oh. Phil got them all correct. Well played. I have, to be fair, I did, when I was hung over on the train yesterday, I did flick through uh, Phil Long's uh, Instagram, I think it was on, wasn't it's it? It's very good. Good <sighs> quiz. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Hey, there's a, a new code of rugby c- c- coming out. Have you heard about this? I have. Uh, well, we'll tell you all about it after... You tell us about Akuma Rugby Tops and then Cornerstone, please. Well, Phil, you tell us about Akuma Rugby Tops. We, we have had more people just messaging with pictures of them wearing uh, their Egg Chasers They're getting Rugby everywhere. Jersey. They're, They're getting everywhere. All over the world. So if you want the most stylish green and yellow jersey, the best, most appropriate, Long- sympathetically... Oh, are, Australia, are Australia bringing back their uh, native print jersey? They, they are oh, not. no. I can conclude they are not. <laughs> if you want the, the most appropriate, sympathetic colour palette... Mm. and you want the finest merino wool or the finest um, athletic muscle fit yeah. uh, jersey, go to akumashops.com slash eggchasers 
That's akumashops.com slash eggchasers. And you can choose from the men's or the women's uh, semi-fit, which is the athletic pro-fit, or the sublimated retro jersey. The long-sleeve retro jersey is lovely, isn't it? And I have and I have some further news on that. We might be having another garment added to the range. So if, if, if really? you want to see what it is, you're going to have to log on. Very good. Oh, Very exciting. You um, can also go to our Twitter at Ruby Podcast. I think we've we've got a link on there as well, haven't we? And uh, we got a tweet from Mark Gelbert or Gelbert, uh, who said um, he was taking Dad to the Monaco Grand Prix this weekend. Okay, very nice, very nice. A couple of Negronis, <laughs> and he just spotted uh, in the bathroom of the flat that they have in Monaco what? something that he's still been using since. Mark got it for his dad three years ago. What on and earth that, that is, be? His dad still uses, with the initials CJJ on it, his Cornerstone Razor. Beautiful. Nice. Standing, standing proudly up on end. Standing proudly up on end, still looking sharp and, uh, and well, that's stainless steel. That's going to last three years, and it's still there. And it, what a present for his dad. So whether it's a present for... Hang on, does his dad own a flat in Monaco? Is that what they're <laughs> saying? Is Mark, it a humble brag? Mark, we're someone we... Mark's someone we need to, uh, on your... F1 Grand Prix. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, get and, and World get in touch, Awards. Mark. Yeah. Slide into my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> Point being, you could sort out your dad or yourself for just four quid, as little as four quid, six precision engineered cornerstone razors and a free engraved aluminium shaft with your initials engraved on it, sent to you in a presentation box, four quid, cornerstone.co.uk forward slash egg chasers. That's cornerstone.co.uk forward slash egg chasers. I would. I would. Right, and, and we've had loads of people uh, also sending us pictures of Negroni. Uh, Tesco have it reduced to clear at the moment, apparently. Why? I know, I don't know. Weird. And uh, well, it's, it's clearly growing in popularity. And um, Ollie Waddington just said, "Take my money." Uh, a picture of him in a bar. It says Campari Negroni, only five ninety five. <laughs> and that was a legitimate ingredient as well. Yeah, Cam- Campari Negroni. And, and Sue Kilby has sent a picture of. We need to know where exactly this is, but a London cocktail bar has a Mr. Fogg's Mechanical Mixologist. Amazing, isn't it? makes your Negroni for you. Perfect. I thought that might be in his flat or something, or in his house. <laughs> I wonder if I can get, get one of those from. So. So. Pro, pro 14, 14 final. Pro 14. Red or yellow? Are you happy with yellow? So I was happy with yellow. Mm. Yeah. Well, you guys continue to talk. I'm going to go to the toilet. I've not seen any of this. Okay. Back <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... So... Obviously, it's terrible for Hogg getting taken out. Last game. He, he looked, yeah, last game for Glasgow. He looked in a bad way as well. Yeah. He hit his gro- head or he hit the ground hard. Yes. I'm not sure sure if his head necessarily made contact, but he landed on his just slightly past 90. So his shoulders took the front of the. Had Nigel given a red, would you have been upset? No, I could have, I could have gone with a red. I'm kind of with you. I, I think I'm pretty much with you. Again, I've. The um, I I don't like these sort of marginal fifty fifty calls where you'd go, yeah, I can see, I can, see, I can see, I'm all right with it being a yellow. I could understand if it was a red, or I could see why it was a red, but equally, I'd have been all right with it, it was a yellow. Can we just like move on? Yeah, because it's, it's just too much yeah. said about it. So we've we've said that. Nige, I thought was a fine decision. He's had a lot of stick for it. One thing that has come out of this game, um, is a lot of Leinster fans unhappy about Glasgow booing. Yeah, have you, I, I, did you I've seen. There's a lot on Twitter about it. I've a seen a couple of bits on Twitter. I've not seen too much though. So, were they booing during kicks or was it just booing 
at any given moment. Uh, 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 Johnny Sexton's kicks. Bear okay. in mind, it came down to those and for the win. Sexton didn't kick particularly well. No, he missed. Uh, he missed at least one conversion and one or two penalties. Yeah. And but I would just like to say because everyone likes to have a bit of a moan, but where is it? Oh, I've not seen the final, and I've just been told to come back. I assume you're uh, talking about the Irish, are you, Tim? Uh, the, the, there was a lot of people moaning about uh, a lot of Irish fans moaning about the fans in mm. Celtic Park booing Johnny Sexton or you know trying to put him off as he was kicking. But I've just got this. I've just got this, which I want to play. Which is uh, remember when Dan Parks scored the uh, winning penalty kick in anyone who remembers in the Six Nations. Dan Parks is a, is a true <laughs> rugby fan. I remember Dan Parks. And this is this is Ireland fans when Dan Parks was knocking over the winning kick. Nice and silent from the island. (laughs) (laughs) So come on. So I have no problem with either the time wasting because it's their job to win. And let's face it, they nearly didn't. It was two points points different. Yeah, three points. You know, they are two points, was it not? 15 18. I thought it was 16 18. Nope. Oh well, doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, You know, they're in a proper dogfight. You know, the fact that Leinster need to take their time just shows exactly how good Glasgow are. But equally, I have no problem with the fans booing him for, waste, for wasting time. So, storm in a teacup. Yep, agreed. And agreed. This is an interesting game. So, I've not. I, we didn't get to watch the full game because we couldn't couldn't find anywhere to to show it us as we were. Well, yeah, nowhere has Premier Sport even in London. Nowhere has Premier Sport. And Premier even, Sport player is garbage. Even round utter garbage. Even round Twickenham, nowhere had Premier yeah. Sports. So, um, nothing we can do. We couldn't couldn't watch it live. I've read quite a bit about it. I've caught up on as many highlights as are available. But as of now, as of right now, uh, half one on Monday, Premier Sports haven't put it on the Pro 14 YouTube channel. Uh, and there's no, unless you are a subscriber, there's no formal version. But anyway, I've seen as much as I can. One of the, one of the frustrating things for a Leinster fan, so Leinster, particularly in the second half, they controlled the game. They controlled territory and possession. Forwards were dominant, as we kind of expected. As you pointed out to me, Tim, last week, the... The Leinster pack will guide them home. And they did. But if I was a Leinster fan and an Ireland fan, I'd be a little bit um, frustrated and a little bit worried that once again, Leinster uh, and a lot of the Ireland team under Johnny Sexton, who's not playing especially well, have failed to break down a tiring defence with a load of territory and a load of possession. So it was was a, a good win. For Leinster mm. against a good Glasgow team, but I think they'll be a bit frustrated that they didn't make it easier for themselves by converting more opportunities towards the end of the game. Yes, agreed, agreed. But congratulations, good win, good win. Yeah. And, and Glasgow, Glasgow are a good team. They are one of the. There was a there was a moment uh, in that second half where Hastings had like basically a four man overlap. It was a little bit reminiscent of the. Um, Ring Rose overlap against Saracens a few weeks ago. He had a four-man overlap and failed to give the ball and got swallowed up by the uh, by the Leinster defence. Um, Saracens had that covered, according to JB. When oh yeah, they had it covered. Oh sorry, I forget. All oh, right, you, international rugby teams don't score four-man overlaps, do they? No, they no. Don't. ten no. yards no. out from That's the opposition. Absolutely not. <laughs> and, and they, they, they would have covered it. I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> Come on then, tell us about Rugby X, what are you talking about? So is this is this from some conversations you had at HQ? No, it wasn't. I was just scrolling through the internet, as one does, and Rugby X came up. 
Now, Rugby X apparently is a five-mile... Like, um, uh, is it like scantily clad rugby? Yeah. <laughs> rugby I mean, XXX? You would... <laughs> You would argue that scantily clad rugby solves more questions than Rugby X does, but no, it isn't. So, I only know the basics of Rugby X, but this is effectively what it is. It's a five-man version of the game. It is played where there are scrums. Rugby three... V. So, it's called Rugby X because there's ten players. Yeah, of course, that doesn't make sense, does it? Because it should be... Rugby 7s would be called Rugby 14. 14. Exactly, rugby, and we just watched... Rugby watch 15s a... would be called Rugby 30. Leinster are yeah. the... Pro 14, Rugby 30 champions. Yes. Correct, yeah. So Rugby X doesn't work. And it also doesn't work in another way, uh, because there's already an X7s tournament. There's X Rugby 7. X Rugby 7. Which is an RFU initiative to make 7s more accessible and playable. Right. Yeah, so... Uh, just use the, they use the word X because it's cool. Yes. Have they done it in like a graffiti font? It would not surprise me. So uh, this has actually been played in the O2 Arena, so there's got some substantial... Someone is throwing money at it from somewhere, and I'd love to know why and... Where the money's going. Who funds you? Um, that would that, be my question. Um, it's five man sport. Well, there's a lot of journalists that have spent the last few, month, few weeks doing nothing but that, so maybe they can just transfer easily across to rugby. Um, there are scrums, three man scrums, which means there's only two players not in the scrum. They're, With a scrum half, yes, yeah, so you have a scrum half, and then basically you give a one on one on the other side of the pitch. Yeah, there are uh, contested breakdowns. I think one from each side is allowed to come into the breakdown. Uh, there is limited kicking. Every kick has to be a grubber kick. It's played on a pitch broadly the size of a basketball court, and that is important. Uh, well, if you think about a rugby field, if you play widthways rather than lengthways, you can get three games of rugby X onto a rugby field. So that's okay, fine. Okay, and so yeah, imagine a rugby pitch carved into thirds, like mini on a day, on a day mini rugby, basically. Yeah, and yeah. most importantly, director of rugby X is one Ben Ryan. So former that- Newbury. Coach, yeah, do you remember him? Did you? Uh, you played Ben Ryan. I might, might have, might have. Yeah. So come across. I don't know before. if he invented it or if he's just the director behind it, and I just don't know what it's for. Now, apparently, it could be for two things. Uh, number one, as was discussed on a Twitter thread, it is there so that you can teach school children the basics of rugby, but with limited resources. So you don't need to teach the full ruck. You don't need to teach. And also because it's smaller-sided games, you can have a few more of them. That's that's not where the cash is, though. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's that's one way to look at it. But there are so many holes in that argument. Uh, you know, I fathom to. It's so they can take a live event to arenas around the world and make loads of cash. Now, now, that might be the case. So if it's a case that maybe this thing looks great in the O2 Arena, which is where it's going to be played, more power to them. This could be like or the Madison Square Gardens uh, yeah. or somewhere like that. I can't imagine that's the case. Can you? I can. Can you imagine? Well, so one of the arguments, and I've not actually seen it, I, I was looking, trying to look this up before, but I'm sure one of the original arguments that Ben Ryan was making was a lot of the players on the Seven Circuit make hardly any money. Yes. Even the England boys who have been full-time for 10 years are on like 30k, something yeah, it's, like that. It's, it's not it's enough for nothing. professional athletes, I agree with that. And the Fijian boys who are some of the most phenomenally talented and skillful athletes anywhere in the world are getting absolute peanuts. So as a way of getting particularly some of the, the smaller nations, some those players some more money, that is a it's a good ambition. Now whether this is actually going to be successful and take off, I'm not so sure. Well it it doesn't even answer that really. Why on earth do you think you're gonna make more money, right, from a brand new sport what's that? Ah, man, <laughs> <laughs> so I just ben Ryan the Lion. 
Come on, where's the actual, where's what the chorus? Sorry. That's uh, okay. Perfect. Amazing. We never gave the pay. Sorry. It's okay. Ben Ryan. Love it. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. It is a truly great song. <laughs> so it doesn't... It, okay, so it doesn't fit the bill for expanding the game. Because if you wanted to run three games of Rugby X with one teacher, you'd have to have three simultaneous games, one coach who can't watch... I mean, if you've ever done any rugby coaching at all, running small-sided games is great if you've got lads that know the rules and want to be there and want to self-improve. But good luck running three games of games of Rugby X with lads that don't want... Or girls, or well, girls, well, who don't want to be there. Okay, so it sounds like actually just a, a little format which could be used... Uh, as a as a warm up, or as some fitness, or some conditioning, or something in that you could use as uh, with Toc H in training. Yeah, I, I think like, it'd be a good you, training you game. Like guys, you probably already, you like you probably already do. Yeah, have warm up games. Yeah, I wouldn't pay this, money this to watch just, it. This is just for me. It that kind of benefit is very limited because you, clubs already do that. Yeah, like you just play like when we were playing um, uh, Withenshaw uh, a couple of months yeah. ago in the the social vets rugby. Just we automatically started playing a game very similar to yeah, this, just thing. as a warm up. Yeah, you do that thing. You you kick the ball back and forward a couple of times. Then when a few more people turn up, you end up having a chat, standing in a circle, passing a ball, and then someone goes, "Should we play touch?" Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And then yeah. you kind of begrudgingly go. Now kids don't automatically do that. Yeah, yeah. Kids, I understand, so but teachers can very easily get them to play. So a you've similar got game. Um, a bunch of kids that probably don't want to be there trying to try and play rugby acts, and also. Rugby X requires five, five five players, allegedly. It doesn't. It requires seven because you don't have line-outs. You've got to have the sub throw in the ball. Now, the, you need two subs, one on each side. Ah. Yeah, the sub throws in the so ball. There's no line-outs. No line that sounds unnecessarily complicated. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's fine if you've got a professional... Line out, just have like a rugby league tap pass. Which, which pass. is kind of what this is, but the, the theory is you have one of the subs doing the... The tap and pass, or just pass. So you need one of your subs on each side, so that's two subs, oh, and you need four subs in total, two from each that. side to do both. Yeah. And if you've divided your pitch up into three, do your subs stand on the uh, <laughs> on the other field where there's been a game? I mean, it's it's, it's just does it does not it doesn't work in any way. Well, uh, so I I genuinely think it's it's the financial imperative you're talking about. There's, that, there's an I opportunity, like and you're actually going. Hold on, okay. So we've got these outdoor sporting stadiums that we take sevens to. How could how could we have it like a gig? Or like one of these, um, you have these kind of uh, five-a-side legends th- football things that go around, don't they? Yeah, I don't want to watch that either. They go to arenas and you have five-a-side games with with football. It's, it's, but I think that's basically what it is. It's like, how can we make a bit of cash by taking but it around right. to indoor arenas, put it on at night, put it on any time of year? But why would you ever assume that that would make more money than the seventh circuit? Well, it's which not making more money, it's just... Or some money, there is money I, to I make. guess. I mean, I just don't, I don't see it. And also, I don't... You only have marginally more space, I think one metre squared more space, than you do if you, if, if you play 15s. So, so that, that's interesting, because I couldn't find anywhere on the website the size of the pitch. Uh, I guess you can assume it's roughly the same as a basketball court. Yeah, the, I have out. got... I've actually got the measurements of a pitch from, from somewhere that, online. Well, okay. American football, they have... Uh, they have a kind of smaller-sided... Verse, indoor version of American football that... Yeah, arena football. Arena football, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and so that's kind of like that, basically. Maybe. Um, the other thing as well is they're getting sevens, ex-sevens athletes to play it. 
which is fine, but this clearly isn't a game for sevens players. It's a, it's a small-sided pitch, small sides. You want powerful men. You want, <laughs> right, you're not going to win this. with no, uh, the extra choose want, type five. You want... Yes, yes. <laughs> you want... <laughs> or you want Naira Voro and Cordero. Yeah, yeah, and Cheslin yeah, Colby. So this... and Cheslin Colby and... Cheslin Colby and Cordero, Nadolo and... Naira Voro, and then one other, one any, other anyone else. Yeah, yeah so you want this is how you this is how you set up your rugby X team. Okay, you have three of the biggest, most powerful men you can think of. So you reckon the extra chiefs uh, front five? I would say the Leinster front row. Yeah, plus Naira Voro, plus, plus Cheslin Colby or Colby. No, incorrect. You need a tackler, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So you need either. Uh, half penny who would offer nothing else other than this <laughs> other than tackling yeah or maybe a Jack Berger Jack Berger could or someone do. like Tipperick might Tipperick might be or Pocock or Hooper yeah someone like that and the yeah. reason you need that is because you're going to have a scrum and at a scrum you're going to have a scrum half pass to another guy who's going to go one on one so you want your Naira Voro playing right Let's go one on the one on one but the guy he's going up against can't be another Naira Voro he's going to have to be a Lee half penny it certainly or, can't be a Cordero it can't it cannot be a Cordero <laughs> so you can have your one on one guy you're better off having a, a, a Naravoro because you can do things in the loose, but then you're going to have to have a defensive guy, like a halfpenny, who just doesn't miss his tackles, because otherwise it's a disaster. Um, I actually think this is an answer to a problem that's never been asked, and I also think that it's utterly pointless. Why not just play a smaller-sided game of Rugby League? I mean, Rugby League does all these things. You, know, you concentrate on the pass, you concentrate on the curry, and you concentrate on, well, that's it, the run. I mean, those are the... Has rugby league ever tried a smaller sided version? Yeah, they dominated the middle side, uh, the middle sex sevens. Did they, did they not have like a rugby Wigan eight won. or something? Rugby league eight. Yeah, like rugby league eight. Why can't you play rugby league on a small sided pitch? So again, agree with all that, which is why it makes much more sense to look at this as a an alternative revenue stream for some of the smaller nations, so, which is what I'm looking at, at it as. And in that regard, it makes sense. And that would make but sense I why don't... Ben Ryan's interested in it because he's managed the Fiji side who got peanuts for being the best team in the world. I just yeah. can't... I, but I, yeah, I can't, see, I can't see it becoming a big thing. As in, I can't, I'm just looking at the tickets. So the way I can't see people... Are, I can't see that many people paying 50... Well, the, the cheapest ticket is thirty pound, or £20 for... A half-day ticket. Well, ben if, Ryan, if you were going to buy a ticket for something, it would be oh, for a live podcast at Twickenham. Exactly. Before I Absolutely. Up. I would rather listen to me speak about uh, Rugby X and rather than watch <laughs> Rugby X. <laughs> that, that's how much appeal it has. Um, ben Ryan himself on Twitter has said it is for you know schools and places like that with limited resources. We actually, need a ton of resources for Rugby X. Go and play. if you're a school teacher and you're listening to this and you want thinking, how do I get my kids in, into rugby? Rugby League 10s, Rugby League 8s, Rugby League 7s, Rugby League. Rugby League has never had a problem penetrating into working class areas, believe it or not. That is that is the game that will convert people in uh, into Rugby 15s. And even if it doesn't, you're going to have some great Rugby League players, which is important. <laughs> you do not... Listen, if you're going to be a professional athlete, you do not want to be a Rugby X player. It is a road to ruin. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. So I admire the... Um, the endeavour. Hey, yeah, well, Absolutely. Well, the way it's described to me, it could could be, well, the game. Well, the idea is it could be the next Kabaddi. You know, they might be playing in in space age stadiums somewhere, small sided games, and it might be huge in India. Yeah, you know, and if that happens, more power to them. Yeah, it's, great. Really, it's great, absolutely. I just hope for the life of me think it will. Kabaddi, remember when that was on Channel Four. Well, that's exactly how it's described. It's like, do you remember Kabaddi was on Channel Four on like mud pitches? Like, yeah, it's sort of. And now it's played. You know, if you go on, that was a mad game. The reason they said Kabaddi was to prove that they weren't breathing. Because yes. you, you had to hold their breath, basically. 
they had to not breathe in in the time they had to get to the line the opponent's line before they had to breathe in again and, Kabaddi, and by the way I watched the Kabaddi World Kabaddi, Cup Kabaddi, not Kabaddi, so long Kabaddi, ago Kabaddi, Kabaddi. and uh, the outfits they wear are horrific <laughs> like they, they, I think they should be dressed more like MMA fighters than um, what, do, what outfits do they wear I'm now? Sh- it used to just be like polo, polo shirts polo yeah. shirts and shorts P- polo short shirts well, and like isn't it mixed Dunlop well? white, white flash isn't it mixed Friends. mixed as in women play as in men and women or was it Ooh, no, I don't know I, d- no, I doubt it no, no it can't have been Rugby X certainly can't be mixed because stopping Don Armand on the gain line is going to be <laughs> going to be somewhat of a challenge. No, he's he's no good at carrying in heavy traffic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, right, we've got two more things, two more items on the agenda. Number one, you must have seen. We predicted the future yet again. The Danny Cipriani, the sips slip mix. Oh, how did we do it? Going, again? going, which of course will be transitioning over the summer period into the sips grip tips, as oh, exactly yeah. as we predicted. So, thank yeah, you to everyone who sent a picture of it to at yes, Ruby Podcast. Danny very Cipriani much enjoyed in that. In this very, very warm week, was wearing gloves in training. Do you know? Do you know what? Would you like to know why? Because I have the inside scoop on this. Because it, they were slippy to make him. Our idea was grippier. you have sips slip bits, which are slippier than normal hand. Um, friction to mean that when you go without the gloves, well, you're be- you're it's a training system, isn't yes. it? You start with the with the with the sip slip mitts. Yeah. So in training, it's harder, and then when you get to a game, you add the Cipriani grip tips. Grip tips. Grip tips. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you're more grippy. I mean, it's it's one of the best. Why, it's a why, it's why? a graded training hierarchy. Yeah. yeah. Why did he do it? Uh, well, I, I would like to also say that uh, Danny Cipriani. Appreciates our thinking. I can, uh, I, <laughs> I, I can tell you, tell you that much about the grip slip tip mitts uh, and the concept. But the reason the he had sips, sips, sip mitts, grip tip mitts. Uh, the reason that he had them on is because he had a, an injured hand. It was to protect his hand all this week. But obviously, oh, interesting. I didn't want to wear one because that. He'd yeah, you then you know which hand it is. Yes. Yeah. So that's why he had his. <laughs> or he looked like Michael Jackson. <laughs> 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 so that's that's why he had his gloves on, but obviously you didn't want to say that before the game. You didn't want anyone to. Know. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, he had a, a small hand injury. And the other thing, the other thing, the uh, World Rugby High Tackle Decision Making Framework that was announced earlier today. God, that's a se- that is a sexy sentence. Say it again. World Rugby High Tackle Decision Making Framework. God, who are these people? Go on. Have you seen it? Oh, I know about it because you read it to me on uh, the train. Well, so this was before it was announced. So Alex Lowe in the Times on Saturday had uh, a bit of an announcement. Well, it, it was preempting this, um, which is, so it's a framework, it's a series of questions that the referee must ask themselves to determine whether a high tackle is a shoulder charge or a high tackle, whether it was dangerous, um, what they so yeah, whether it was dangerous, and whether then it, should it be a penalty, a yellow card, or a red, red. card? Mm-hmm. It's quite interesting that they've done this. So it's, it's actually so it's been it's being branded as solving two problems. The highest level is solving two problems. First problem is consistency of decision making, which is something that we've long complained about. And the second one, which is an obvious one, is to uh, further try and reduce concussion, which is obviously an important and a, a good thing to do. The decision-making side of it is something that we've long argued for and long said. I wish there was a clearer set of almost questions or set of logical processes you could go through. And in the past, I've always said, like, in my head, 
I kind of asked myself multiple different questions mm. to try and make a decision. Yeah. And I've just, I kind of knew it was never written down for referees anywhere. So I think this is actually, in my mind, this is a good step. Um, I've not, we've not seen it play out, but the way the video of this plays out and fair play to World Rugby in doing this, they take some high level controversial decisions which were incorrect in the past. Um, the Owen fac- the Owen Farrell tackle on Andre Esterhazen in the Autumn Internationals last year. There's a New Zealand versus France a double high tackle headshot. Um, there's an Alan Wynne Jones headshot against the Lions. Yeah. Uh, sorry, for the Lions against New Zealand. So they're, they're looking to reduce the opportunity for these controversial decisions in yeah. future. The, the, so there's a couple of things. Yes, I, I, I broadly agree with you. There's a couple of things. I, I think um, there will always be unintended consequences with these things. And I think there's going to be um, that there will end up being a lot of decisions which are made which don't use a kind of feel for the game because there are a number of times tackles where players do wrap the arms but because of the nature of the collision or they only wrap one arm that's round one side and the other one's a bit shorter but basically the bottom line is there's a lot of players that make every, make good intention and the right movements but it doesn't it doesn't physically happen because say Esther Hazen Ooh. bounced off and so Farrell, Farrell's wrap was after he was already well, falling backwards so they actually try and clear that up yeah go on so what they do, the first decision that the referee has to make is, is it a shoulder charge or a high tackle? So a shoulder charge is where the leading shoulder, and they actually use the that tackle in it, yeah. where the leading shoulder, the arm of the tackler is either in a sling position, so it's in your front so yeah. you can't make a wrap, or it's behind his body. And you might then bring it, like swing the shoulder in and then bring the arm round. But this is the far one. His left arm, his non-tackling arm, wrapped, and that was what Angus Gardner used to say he's yeah. wrapped. His right arm was behind his body, so he let, led and swung with the shoulder. So they are clearing that up. If you watch okay. the video, it, it's... All I think right. it's quite a, it's quite fair a good enough. definition, that's good. that that's, one. That, that sounds good. The, 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 the only... The, the, the big issue with this I've, I can imagine I am going to have is having to listen... To TMOs and refs <laughs> go through a bloody flowchart. Yeah, it is and a flowchart. It, 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 flow yeah. it, it definitely is. Now, it, it should, it might be clunky at the start. Yeah. It, uh, no, let me let me rephrase that. It, it will, will be, be clunky <laughs> at the start. What I think it will give is, it will educate everyone, including mm. fans, um, kind of serious fans like ourselves, and casual fans who watch rugby a few times a year for the big games. So hopefully it will allow them some transparency into the referee's decision-making process. Yeah, um, I might be wrong about that, but I'm actually, I'm quite optimistic. I think a lot of the things that World Rugby do are certainly well-intentioned. Oh, oh, there's this, no doubt this they're is, well-intentioned. It, I think this is actually quite well thought through, yeah, but I, I could be proven wrong. I, I do get it. it so it, this it, it is sounds, um, sounds like uh, let's let's make things more litigious, not. Well, but, but I get it. I, I get it. This is approaching the problem from the other end of the telescope, so, so to speak. Right? What we first had is a crackdown on players. Largely successful, but what they weren't successful on is a crackdown on referees. So now what this is, I think, is a crackdown on referees because there are decisions out there where they should have obviously been cards or at least penalties. Uh, for instance, when Owen Farrell stole a game from South Africa by high-shotting <laughs> um, the... Uh, who, uh, uh, whoever it was. Now, that's Esther, me. Esther Hazen. Esther Hazen, right? 
Angus Gordon got that clearly wrong. And I think this is really frustrating the powers that be at World Rugby because they know, and I know, and anyone with half a brain knows that that was a penalty. So they've got to now regulate the thought processes of the referees to come to the conclusions that they want so the game looks exactly as their marketing department has described has described it to them. And that's what we've got. This is why it's there, there, just, there was no... Because Angus Garner's um, decision was based on the wrap of the alternative he, arm. He, he wrapped so they, his arm. So, it so it's given, never been in, in the laws until now. It's never both, actually been specified. Both arms. What you're looking... No, no, no. Go on. No, no, no. It's never been specified until now that... Um, it, it, what, you're, what, what you're looking at is the, the arm the arm attached to the leading shoulder, the yes. one that makes contact, because Owen Farrell, the mitigating circumstance that Angus Gardner went fair on, and actually the reason why I say, just get on with play on. You can talk about high or not, but not about the wrap, because he definitely wrapped with his left arm. But what World Rugby have clarified is... yeah. Doesn't matter what well, the, I, it doesn't matter what the what the other shoulder arm, which I just oh, I just get. Yeah, I, I, it was definitely. I, I, yeah. I, I understand the intention is great. I like the clarity. I'm crack down on the refs. I crack down on the refs. It, These I, pesky refs are refing, using their knowledge accumulated over a lifetime, a career if of, we'd never of had rugby. Twitter, if we never had Twitter, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So uh, one, yeah. one of the, the Actually, one of the phrases. Have you have you watched the video? Because one of the phrases. Which video? The video for this, the oh, decision-making no. framework video. Watch <laughs> um, one of the, the phrases they use, actually a, a few times when they're talking about the decision of whether it's going to be, depend on the severity, a yellow card, a red card, or a penalty, is referee's discretion. And they look at, the, the final, th- final decision is based around aggregating or mitigating factors. So is there any aggregating factors that make this... Um, a worse incident, mm-hmm. as in if the one of the things is if the play if the tackler had full line of sight and plenty of time to make the decision, and the player's running in up upright, and you still hit him in the head with a, a yep, shoulder, yep, 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 that's yep, aggra- well, well. aggregating. If the player ducks <laughs> at the last second, um, that's a mitigating factor. Or if the tackler's unsighted, that's a mitigating factor. But one of the phrases that they use on the video numerous times is uh, referee's discretion. So there is some discretion within the framework for the referee to apply their Sorry. experience and okay, their knowledge. Fine. Sorry, I was just laughing then, and I hate to take this away from this very, very serious uh, conversation of the rugby diligence enforcement framework for high tackles, whatever it's called. But um, literally, as I was scroll- scrolling through Twitter, what would pop up? But Rugby X. So uh, just, you know, so we've got both sides of um, the argument covered. Um, the Rugby X tournament is in... Uh, it did it did say before? I think it's September uh, or October, is it? October. And do you want to know the prices? Yeah, it's, uh, so you it's, can have a whole a whole day out. For, so I, I said before, twenty pounds is the cheapest half day ticket. One hundred eight pounds is the most expensive ticket. Well, it doesn't have the half, but yeah, one hundred eight thirty eight pound is the cheapest. Uh, Fifty eight pound is the cheapest full day full day ticket. Um, so you know, if you don't, if you want to check it out yourselves and have a look, and you make the decision rather 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 than listen to us do Save that. Save your money and come to our live show. <laughs> yeah, quite. <laughs> um, but here is um, here's how they marketed it. So they've um, they've given all the players nicknames. Yeah, have you not seen this? The Twitter. I've feed? literally just seen it now. So um, Jean Pascal, the Danger Man, Stephen Perez, the Magic Man. Um, are they going to have entrance music when they come out? I hope so. I mean, I, I do hope so. <laughs> and players will swap teams. One, They'll swap uh, teams in a WWE <laughs> kind of way. They'll... 
The Irish have got nicknames. Oh um, my god! Yeah, they should get the WWE commentators to do it. This Emily- could be a career-ending maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> Special move. We've <laughs> uh, got um, Emmy Lee Murphy Crow, the star. Emily Lane, the creator. Uh, Lu- Lucy Mahal, the talent. Uh, and they've actually got some big names. So like, mm-hmm. I think there's Colin Isles. Uh, who will be playing? Oh, no, Perry Baker's playing, sorry, I should add. Speed stick. Can I just point out, completely the wrong types of players to be playing, but, nev- but never mind, carry on. What, w- what would you like your um, your nickname to be? Uh, I'm just looking through them. Uh, Emma, Emma uh, Uren is the engine. The engine. <laughs> uh, Phil Burgess, the powerhouse. Uh-huh. Holly Atchinson, uh, the playmaker. I think Dan Norton's the legend. Yeah, there we go. Dan the Norton's legend. the legend. Tom Mitchell, the skipper. Uh, Harry Minolte's the explorer. And Billy Dardis, the leader. Jordan Conroy, the step. I'd, I'd, I'd be the penetrator. <laughs> um, you could be the line bender. <laughs> Tim? Um, the professor. The professor. <laughs> professor. <laughs> Love it. Lucio Gonzalez, the future. So, uh, in terms of him, don't bother going to buy a ticket to watch him until next year. Yeah, when he's at, when he's when he's the present. Next year, I remember the present. Next year will be his year, just yeah. like Gloucester's year. Could be next year. Hey, it looks like a good day out. Go, go it, and, it will be. A, it'll be a good a fun day. Go have a watch. But come to our live show instead, which we'll tell you about on the next podcast when we preview the Premiership final. And uh, yeah, no, the Premiership final. Basically, that's it. So uh, we'll see you on the next pod. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 